position. Affirmative. Negative. I am the milkman. My milk is delicious. Roger that. Okay, let's go. Welcome to the Best Linux Games Podcast. Go, go, go! The best Linux games, the best games available for the uh, GNU slash Linux operating system via the mechanism and distribution network known as Steam, brought to you by Valve. After 700,000 years, the Steam has come to Linux, and beyond that, it has come to Linux in the form of the egalitarian Linux-like platform, Steam, an open marketplace in which everyone, total meritocracy, everyone, regardless of size, amount of money, regardless of amount of developers, and prospective sales, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's Saturday, and that means it's time for one thing. It's time for the podcast where the quality goes in before the name goes on. You're listening to the Best Linux Games Podcast, a companion piece to the uh, Steam group of the same name. Find us on Steam, you know. Uh, join us on Steam and friend me on Steam. My name is Scooky Sprite. I am your host. In case this is your first time here, uh, the ground rules for everything that we do are very simple. We have news. We have the latest titles that we are interested in. Of course, features, you know, like kind of in-depth looks or reviews. And then we have, of course, everyone's favorite, the deals. Uh, the best games that you can buy for as cheap as possible. If you join us on the group, our recommendations are curated with the sole criteria of It must run on Linux, and it must be really good. These are recommendations only, of course. Uh, not complete reviews, which generally will follow, um, especially once they get some other mofos on this show. And as always, the content that awaits you ahead may not be appropriate for members of all species, races, genders, classes, creeds, and especially might not be age or work appropriate. So, it begins. Let's get the Linux gaming on, bitches! Hello, and welcome to episode number 284 of the Best Linux Games Podcast. Being recorded for you on this, the Saturday, the 4th of April, 2020, at uh, 8.58pm, 20.58pm, Pacific Daylight Savings Time, whatever the fuck, left coast, coast with the most, crack engineer, Ivor Molina, over there in the booth. He's a lot worse for wear, but then again, as are we all during this time of plague and quarantine, despair, death, and uh, horror. Um, really unmitigated fucking horror out here in uh, in the good old U.S. of A. But we're not going to talk about that. Uh, what's that? I oh, I was holding up the whiskey sign. Ivor, you need to be faster on that, but that was your last chance because you're fired. You're fucking fired, Ivor. Alright, but that's a good idea, though. You're just late with it. Cheers, everybody, to your health. Hope everyone's doing okay this week. Mm. Or as okay as can relatively be expected. Um... Oh, yeah, but that would also make it for our sequel, friends. Uh, 2020-04-04-2059 p.m. P. Pacific DST. No, PDT? PDST. Daylight Saving Time. Whatever. Doesn't matter. It's it's 9 o'clock at night. On a Saturday. So we have a big show for you. I've already mentioned that you're fired, because you are. You're fired. Um, Big show for you today. Uh... Yeah, um, we're not going to talk at all about COVID-19 or the fact that out of the 1.1 million people who are infected worldwide, um, that uh, the United States, the richest country on the face of the planet, with ostensibly the best science and the best scientists and the best infrastructure... Well, it used to be the best infrastructure in the world. So, 1.1 billion, 1.1 million people infected 
globally. Uh, how is it? Oh yeah, and about sixty thousand. And you know, fuck. It's it's depressing that anyone has had to die, but sixty thousand dead globally. How is it that in this world, uh, United States of America, right now, we are up to a third of that count. So, 1.1 million, of which 306,473 plus are Americans, and our death count at 8,266 plus is out of 63,000. Alexa, what percentage of 63,000 is 8,000? 8,000 is 12.7% of 63,000. We make up over 10% of the fatalities. And we are late to the game. So anyone who wants to tell me that Donald Trump is a fucking genius and that, oh, it could have been so much worse. And by the way, we are cruising for a bruising out here. The next month is going to be absolute hell. Um, but anyway, anyone who wants to tell me that Donald Trump is a genius, that the media has made all this up, or that, oh, or that, oh, 100,000 to 200,000, which is going to be more like 2.2 million to 3.5 million, um, casualties in the United States, deaths in the United States. Anyone who wants to tell me that he's a fucking genius and that this is all some sort of fucking liberal hoax, he should shut the fuck up and get with the program if you want to live. That's all I have to say about the coronavirus, about COVID-19. Son of a bitch. Which my love interest is actually infected with. And she's taking it hard. Um, Oh, that's what she said. Mm. So, let's get straight to our top stories. And then, we got a great show for you this week. Actually, we have a good show for you this week. Um, First of all, in our top stories. Number one, Wilson, W-O-L-C-E-N, Lords of Destruction, which is like a more story-driven kind of Diablo with multiplayer. Um, We featured it on the show when it was originally released, I think, maybe six weeks ago, a month ago, two months ago. Um, It had a horrible bug in it for Linux users uh, that turned your head into a giant egg. The head of your character just was a giant fucking egg um, from character creation all the way through the game. And that made the game unplayable to me. That has now been fixed. So if you've been, you know, Jones Lustin after fucking uh, Wilson, which, you know, it's a good game. I've played like 45 minutes of it, an hour and a half of it, something like that. It's got a good story, great graphics, but it is a, it's a Diablo style game that like is just like left click to go there, left click to attack. And then they couldn't fucking move all of it onto the mouse. So like you still have to have a fucking keyboard to press spacebar, to dive roll, or whatever. It's, anyway, it's not my cup of tea, but it is very good for what it is. And uh, the other thing I, I should qualify about Wilson and my prejudice against it, um, I'm not going to return it. I mean, it's an expensive game. It's like 40 bucks or something like that. Um, but my major prejudice against Wilson and other games like it is that they all just serve to remind me how depressing it is that the greatest of all of these games, Diablo 3, which was just like Diablo 2, but it had a fucking combat system and was designed to be played with a controller, a combo system. Like, literally, it was like a fighting game crossed with magic, crossed with Diablo. It was fantastic, and I only got to play it for, like, nine hours or whatever on my X-Bone before I fucking realized, oh, why do I have an Xbox One? makes no fucking sense, and I fucking did the sensible thing, and I sold it along with all my games. But anyway, its absence, especially its absence on Linux, is particularly felt every time I have to play a game that is in the vein, similar to, you know, the Diablo, demi-isometric, dungeon crawling, mm, spells and equipment uh, based Hack and slashers, because I loved the comb- the combo system in Diablo 3 was just phenomenal. But anyway, Wilson now works. W-O-L-C-E-N. 
Also, as mentioned and intimated in, uh, I think, either two weeks ago or last week's episode, um, a classic, an all-time classic from the freeware turn of the millennia sold that, which is now evidently... I, I, I mentioned in that episode that sold that to the sequel to the beloved freeware classic. Um... Uh, had a free demo somewhere out there on the internet. I cannot find this free demo. But what I can find for you is if you go to your Steam client, open it up, go to the store, and search for Soldat, S-O-L-D-A-T, they have released the original, complete with multiplayer and everything, and the game is still fucking phenomenal, for free. You can get Soldat for free. Uh, it, I guess it's all part of uh, building up Steam for their uh, forthcoming release of the sequel. Um, also, I want to say that uh, Transhuman, I think that's who developed, or who is publishing and developing the sequel. I don't know, I, but I wasn't too clear, and Ivor has been just no help at all this fucking week, which is better than what he normally is, because he's normally just a hindrance instead of just being no help. Um, I've already in fact checked this for me, but Transhuman, I think, is also the same people who um, developed Butcher, and I'm pretty sure that's true. In fact, let me check that for you. Oh, boy. Holy shit, who says that I'm getting old and I've lost it? Yep. Transhuman is handling. They were the developers of Butcher, and they also published Butcher, uh, but now, like, they've expanded, I guess, and I sent them one of the funniest fucking interview requests when they released Butcher, but anyway, it's in good hands, so that one is now free on Steam, so if you missed it originally, you can get all the multiplayer bot action that you want out of this fucking phenomenal 360 degrees, you know, your mouse is your, your mouse cursor is your gun, uh, abuse style, side-scrolling, worms-like, uh, shoot em up, uh, deathmatch, platformer, gorefest, pixel trash, all-time classic, which I saw on their page that John Romero even said that, but and uh, that sold that was one of his favorite multiplayer games, and it was one of mine too. So, and speaking of which, in terms of John Romero, our feature this week is actually a review. We'll be reviewing Doom Eternal, but first. Ivor based him with a new and noteworthy. We got a couple. I was a North American fall when were in my former life. Here are the newest and most noteworthy titles from this week. Alright, so first off in our new and noteworthy, a game that is very close to my heart, as is uh, to friend of the show and friend of mine, Fagledorf, who's now going by some fucked up weird alternate name that I don't know and I can't really find him because whatever he's a weird guy, he's a weird motherfucker, and he has right to be weird, but uh Mount and Blade the uh, classic bandit horde building uh demi-strategic piratical land pirate style horse back, demi-Arabic um simulation role-playing game civilization builder combat, etc has finally gotten a sequel that's the good news, it's called Mount and Blade 2 Bannerlord Mount and Blade 2 Bannerlord is 20% off uh, now through April 13th at $39.99. That's the good news. The bad news is it has either Battleye or EAC. I, I have not gotten Mountain Blade 2 Bannerlord. I'm going to wait for it to go on sale. The bottom line is this. Evidently, the single-player campaign runs on Linux, but none of the online multiplayer works on Linux, which is a major fucking downer considering that from what I understand, they moved that closer to the core of the gameplay, the multiplayer aspect of it for the sequel. But, if you've been jonesing for more Mountain Blade, and this is a whole new sequel, this is not a DLC, this is a, I think they put in a new engine, and uh, it looks fantastic, by the way. Check it out. 
Um, you know, and know that the single player campaign, according to ProtonDB reports, uh, actually runs on Linux. Speaking of might actually run on Linux. Alright, so I am always reticent to do these. This is a survival horror game. Uh, Resident Evil 3 came out this week. Resident Evil anything is not my cup of tea. Um, I hate the survival horror genre at large. And I especially have a uh, acrimonious history with um, basically every aspect of the design ethos behind the entire well, prevailing you know, 30 years of Resident Evil uh, design ethos, but um, the new one, I'm hoping that they've taken it more towards a shooter thing uh, however that's the good news, the bad news is there are a lot of problems with running it on Linux um, to help you understand this because uh, I'm not going to buy it, I don't think at least until it goes on sale because right now it's, uh, what is it? $59.99, so it's 60 bucks. But it's brand new. If you're a big Resident Evil fan, it w- I would be remiss if I didn't cover it here. Oh, also, uh, Half-Life Alex came out too, but um, in the show blurb for this week's episode, uh, I'll put a link to the ProtonDB uh, report for Resident Evil 3. Some people have gone out to work, other people have not gone out to work. Other people, there's a really good post on there by a guy who has a sloth uh, for an icon, for a Steam icon. And he, if you're running Arch, he walks you through everything that he did to get it to run. Um, might check it out. Uh, I imagine that, in all honesty, that's probably just as simple as getting Devil May Cry 5 to run. You know, you'll probably need MF install, MF cab install, and you'll probably need uh, Glorious Egg Rolls Proton uh, uh, GE2 or better. Uh, he dropped the third uh, installment of his fork of Proton also this week, uh, which I've been using to run uh, a various assortment of games. Um, so yeah, that's our new and noteworthy. Let's. I war. What time is it? I think it's review time. In accordance with the laws and regulations regarding the internet within your local jurisdiction, Best Linux Games Podcast now presents you with a dose of clap. Just kidding, motherfuckers. It's review time. Alright, so our review this week is of Doom Eternal as played on Stadia. Now, before we get any further than that, um, I, I have to, we have to get to the technical aspects first, unfortunately. They're not as much fun. And this review is entirely spoiler-free. Um, I ran yesterday, I, I bought Doom Eternal again yesterday on Steam because, uh, thanks to BPR, Blaster PR, um, and some other people and some stuff that I had read, some chatter I had become aware of over the past three days on the internet that uh, it was that Doom Eternal ostensibly now ran fine on Linux via Steam. It does run, but especially considering that I did this only for testing purposes, it runs like absolute shit. I spent about 20 minutes trying to get to run better. Um, this is the native... Not native. This is the uh, this is Steam uh, with a Proton uh, with Glorious Agrol's Proton uh, GE three and GE two. I can't remember if I tried GE two, but I tried everything. You know, in about twenty minutes. That's not everything. Everything. Normally, when I say I tried everything, that means I spent twelve hours fucking, you know, working it, just trying to fucking. I spent twenty minutes, and then I went back to Stadia. Now, here's the nice thing about the Stadia version. Um, it will run on any fucking computer that you have right out of your fucking browser. That's the first thing. The second nice thing about the Stadia version is that it costs the exact same price as the um, Steam Store version. I've already returned for the second time my second purchase of Doom Eternal. I, I bought it twice through Steam and I've returned it twice. Now, um... The only bad thing about the Stadia version is that, just as I just said, Stadia doesn't have this type of super forgiving, awesome, 
fucking, oh, well, hey, let's see if it runs. We'll buy it and then see if it runs. If it doesn't, I'll just fucking return it. If I don't even like the game, I'll just fucking return it. I've never had them, uh, I've had them reject one return out of the last seven years, six or seven years. Um, and that was only recently. And that was because the game, I bought the game nine months ago and I had logged like 10 hours in it. Um, but then they made a change and, you know, blah, they wouldn't give me a return for that game. But that's the only time, only time they refunded me both times for Doom Eternal. Now, other thing about Doom Eternal, specifically on Stadia, I am blown away by Stadia. The only problem with Stadia is there's no fucking games, but I refuse, I literally refuse to play Doom Eternal except via Stadia. I open a web browser and bam, I'm in the fucking game. I plug in a fucking wired controller, I'm in the game. And it's streaming, It's and it runs better than it would even on my fucking computer, my main computer. It's all being live streamed to me, and I can live stream while I'm fucking playing it. There's no performance impacts. The game looks fucking phenomenal. The, you know, is it's like it's better than native, which is insane. Um, and the fact that the price points are the same, the only trade off is that you don't get to have, um, that nice return policy that, uh, that Valve offers with the Steam Store. So, I know. You're anxious to hear all about Doom Eternal. Doom Eternal is a sequel of the reboot from 2016 of the original id franchise uh, as created by To win the game, you must defeat me, John Romero. Um, His beloved baby brainchild, Doom and Doom 2, uh, to say nothing of Quake, but this is Doom. So, they rebooted Doom in 2016, and I didn't think it could get any better than the reboot of Doom. Especially when it ran, uh, when, when you, when you're getting, you know, like, 180 frames a second, because it was all Vulcan optimized. Fantastic! Phenomenal game, very true to its origins, um, one of the most violent spectacles that I had ever seen in my entire life. Fantastic multiplayer, Etc. That was the original reboot of Doom. And then we waited four years and change for a sequel. Enter Doom Eternal. Doom Eternal is nothing like Doom 2016. Except in that it retains basically the same enemies and adds a bunch new more, a a bunch of different new enemy types. Um, Adds a couple of weapons makes major tweaks to the upgrade mechanics and uh, the persistent role-playing game unlock kind of aspects that have gameplay uh, that impact gameplay Um, but it's still familiar the weapons are still familiar Doom weapons with the exception of one or two We'll get to them in detail. And don't worry, we'll, we'll, I'm making this a short episode because I imagine that everyone else has people that they want to talk to and I want to fucking beat this game. I've spent over 20 hours in it. I've not beaten it. I'm at the very end of the game. Um, but here's the deal with Doom Eternal. Uh, and this is completely spoiler-free. I'm not going to tell you a single fucking thing about the story. I, well, I will tell you one thing about the story, but it's not a story element. I'm just going to tell you what I thought about the story. But here's the thing about Doom Eternal. At first... At first I thought... This is kind of mediocre. That was like the first three hours. Then I thought, this is not Doom. And that was like the next mm, four hours. I'm about 20, I'm 20 plus hours into the game. I'm like maybe 23. It's weird though because I have to add up my stats from Stadia by using Google's uh, uh, activity tracker tool and I have to do it manually. So like last last count, that was before like four hours yesterday and fucking five hours this morning. I, I might be at like 28 hours because I'm normally very slow. You should be able to beat the game in around like 20-ish hours. 
if you're really fast and playing it on, you know, pussified difficulty. So about eight hours in, I was very much on the fence. I thought that it looked phenomenal, and I thought that the, the kill animations and the character models and everything were fantastic. Now, the environments were okay. I didn't think that they were as impressive as Doom 2016. That was up until hour eight. Then, from hours eight to twelve, I want to say, I went through a radical metamorphosis where I gave myself to Doom Eternal and it gave me back so much more. Um, here's the deal. Doom Eternal doesn't use the same blastum combat system of any other first-person shooter that I've ever played. And especially not its namesake franchise, you know, its progenitors. Not Doom, not Doom 2, not Doom 2016, the reboot. Um, it takes an entirely different approach. Here are the offense... Now, okay, a lot of these things you have to... Well you don't unlock, but some of these things aren't available from the get-go and others of them you have to find and unlock or spend um, spend uh, collectible things, there's all sorts of collectibles uh, and they also unlock other things some things you have to find specifically like the weapon modifications which unlock alternate fires, but let's just go down the list and then I'll explain how this all affects the actual gameplay and we were going to be out of here Ivor I swear to fucking Christ we're going to be out of here you son of a bitch in the next 20 minutes or you're fucking you're a dead man, you're a dead motherfucker, you hear me? Okay so Ivor is shaking his head, he's crying, it looks like, his zombie little tears, because he knows that every time I say that we're going to be here for two and a half hours. No, we're going to be one and done on this bitch. Mm. Here are the... I, I, in the show rundown, I, I outlined two, well, three categories of stuff. And we'll start with the first category, which are your offensive capabilities. You... Uh, Eventually, once you collect them all, once you find them, and you find them linearly as you go through the story, but you're able to replay previous missions in the same save file uh, to complete unlocks and super challenges and secret challenges and uh, collectible stuff and also level challenges. Level challenges, each level has three challenges. And these are just broad, level-wide, as long as you're in that level, um, the level challenges apply to the level. Like, sometimes it's like, you know, hit, kill five demons with sticky pipe bombs three times. That will give you, well, so you, let's say you complete it, complete that challenge while going through the level. That'll give you a weapon uh, point. You also get weapon points for completing encounters. Each level is broken up into a series of encounters. Generally speaking, these are encounters filled with what the game classifies as fodder demons, which are like imps, zombies, gun zombies, um, zombie soldiers. They're pretty much... They're fodder. Hmm. Less... And then there's a... So, like, the lesser fodder demons, then there's, like, the... um, bigger demons, and there's super demons, and then there's like mega super demons. Um, the bigger demons, which are like guys like the Mancubus, uh, the Arachnotron, um, and a bunch, a whole bunch of others. Uh, the, the, uh, Cacodemon, you know, the giant red orb, uh, giant red ball guys with the big blue mouths that shoot fireballs at you. Um, all of your favorites are there. When you clear out an area in a mission, in a level, you get a weapon point by killing everything there before going onwards. You can, sometimes you can go onwards without killing everything, but generally you have to kill everything anyway. Blah. You spend these weapon points to upgrade weapon mods. And these mods, you can have two per each weapon. Most weapons have two. These are your alternate fire modes for your weapons. Now, I'm not going to go through the list of weapons, but everything 
that you know and love. There's eight weapons. There's eight weapons plus a couple of others that I'm not going to tell you about. Um, that eventually, by the end of the game, that you'll have. These include all of your favorites, all the you know traditional. You know, you have the combat shotgun, you have the super shotgun, you have a uh, missile launcher, you have an assault rifle, you have uh, among amongst others, amongst others. Basically, all of them have two firing modes: the primary fire mode and then the alternate fire mode. You can switch between alternate fire modes for a weapon by pressing uh, left on the D pad. Um, which will, it takes it takes just long enough to make it inconvenient to do that. Um, it takes like maybe a second and a half to switch between weapon mods. I try not to do it. I try to just stick to whatever my primary fire and alternate fire is. But, so you have eight weapons, each with two alternate fire modes, and the alternate fire modes can be upgraded, and there are two tiers of upgrades for each of these alternate fire modes that... Re- once you've upgraded both of those, they unlock the mastery challenge, which unlocks a super buff for that gun's alternate fire mode that you're working with. You, that's where you spend your weapon points. Um, so, if that's not clear for you, then fuck you, you can die in a fire. So you have eight fucking weapons with two different, with all, with two alternate firing modes. Generally, you stick to one or the other, depending on preference. Um, I'm at the end of the game. It is very difficult to unlock all of to complete all the master challenges for all the weapons in one run on Hurt Me Plenty. So, you have eight primary weapons. Then you have your standard melee attack, which is not good enough to kill anything. It basically just stuns an enemy if they are smaller than you, if they're like a fodder demon. The melee attack is pretty worthless, but eventually you unlock uh, blood punch, which after we'll get we'll get we'll get back to blood punch in a minute. So there's melee, eight primary weapons. Then there is glory. Then there are glory kills. If you don't actually eviscerate an enemy, a lesser demon, or anything, actually anything is vulnerable to a glory kill. If you just really fuck them up really badly, they start flashing orange when they're in range, then you click down on the right stick to melee them, but instead of meleeing them, you'll do a a glory kill, which is this, you know, if you've played the 2016 reboot of Doom, you know what I'm talking about, like, you'll rip them in half, you'll cut them up, you'll trip them, and it's a very cool animation, and it depends on the angle of approach before you click down on the right stick to see uh, in terms of which animation you get. All of the enemies have different glory kill animations. Um, many of them have many, many of them have several different glory kill animations. These are incredibly satisfying. We'll come back to glory kills in a minute. But glory kills also, once you get blood punch, charge your blood punch. And that takes your normal melee you know, just punch attack that normally only falters one demon and turns it into a wave of blood that cuts through any fucking thing that's in front of you that's a lesser demon and does serious damage to even uh, medium-sized demons like Arachnatron and and uh, the, um... Is it called the Revenant? The guy, the, the skeleton guy with the jetpack and the rocket launchers on his shoulders. Okay. So that's how you charge blood punch. Blood punch. You charge it with glory kills, and we'll come back to blood punch and glory kills in a moment. Then you also have two equipment weapons. These are weapons that you don't you you don't have the option of equipping. They are built onto your shoulder. You have a shoulder mounted flamethrower, and you have a shoulder shoulder mounted grenade launcher. And we'll come back to those in a moment. Then, finally, you have another weapon that is mapped specifically to a button, so you don't have to switch a weapon to get to it. Same thing with your shoulder attachments, which are called equipment weapons, I think. Um, And we'll come back to them in a moment. You have the chainsaw. The chainsaw behaves in Doom Eternal very differently from, from the ways that it has in any of the other games, as will become clearer to you. The chainsaw is like a glory kill, but 
meaning that you don't have to be like right next to a guy to use it, but you do need fuel for it. The fuel recharges slowly over time, and there are fuel canisters throughout each level if you really need it. We'll come back to why the chainsaw is important in a moment. First, before we get back, before we revisit these weapons and how they actually work in concert to create the unbelievable fucking symphony of unspeakable unbelievable carnage that is like a screen filling miasma of death every second of the game we have to address the passive abilities that they've introduced so first of all your Praetor suit your Doom Marine suit has four different categories of upgrades you upgrade these categories each has an individual point thing and each category has four or five different um, individual aspects of that category that you can upgrade. These categories are things like environmental, movement, fundamentals, um, grenade, and uh, navigation. You fu- you you uh, upgrade these by finding uh, Praetor tokens. These are armor tokens that are hidden, some more, some less, uh, throughout the game's environs. Um, these suit upgrades become pretty important and everything in the game becomes pretty important because it all works in concert with everything else. Some of the uh, suit upgrades uh, that I like um, enable your dash to recharge faster. Oh yeah, that's the other thing. You have double jump and then eventually you unlock dash and double dash. Dash works on the ground or in the air. Uh, Jump generally works in the air or on the ground, depending on if it's a double jump or not. So, using your shoot upgrades, for instance, you can make your dash recharge faster. These are these are permanent, and these are passive. Uh, amongst other things. Then there are crystals, and I'm not going to explain... This is not... The game sounds really complicated when you hear it explained this way, but it is not. It is, but it's not. Crystals are hidden crystals that allow you to upgrade a base stat. They're either health, armor, or ammo. But there there are two columns of three upgrades each. So there's six major upgrades, I think. Each one of them composed of two upgrades. Each one of those upgrades requires one crystal. When you get both upgrades for one category, you unlock a buff that is persistent and these these can't be changed. But you do it by upgrading individual aspects of those three major criteria. So if you if you pick like the ammo icon, you now get more ammo. All of your all the, all of your weapons have bigger clips now. You can hold more ammo in all of your weapons. Um, if you upgrade health, you have more base health. If you upgrade armor, you have more base armor. Um, yes. So, then there's a third and final type of, of upgrade that is not permanent, but it is also passive. You have the ability to pause the game at any time and go to your runes page, and if you've collected a rune, you can equip it into one of your three slots. These are also passive, but have uh, playstyle and play mechanic effects. For instance, my personal favorite combination of my three runes, I have unlocked all the runes, um, I, I can now go into a glory kill from way farther away, like, you know, in, let's say that it's 10 meters, uh, to begin with, I can do it from 30 meters away, which means I can basically if I can hurt you enough, I can teleport to you and kill you instantly and do and use that as a form of locomotion around the levels um, other thing that I, I like, uh, there's an equipment buff The you remember how I said that you have a flamethrower and a grenade launcher and the grenade launcher, you can switch the grenade launcher from a grenade launcher eventually to an ice bomb. I prefer the grenade launcher, though. And you can upgrade the both the grenade launcher and the ice bomb in the uh, suit upgrades, 
using Praetor tokens. Um, the equipment rune makes it so that when so the equipment your attached equipment weapons they don't have ammo they just recharge over time there's a there's a rune that makes it so that if you kill a demon who either with the actual equipment itself or while under the influence of an equipment effect it makes that piece of equipment either your flamethrower or your grenade recharge faster and you can chain these together Meaning, if you really like the grenade, all you have to do is kill someone with the grenade, and then the grenade charges faster, then kill someone else with the grenade, the grenade charges even faster. That's my experience. I I don't know that for a fucking super fact, but there's a reason why I have that fucking rune equipped at all times, almost. And then the my other favorite rune is uh, a last stand rune. So when you die, you know, quote-unquote die, screen goes into black and white, everything goes into slow motion for a long time actually and you have a second chance at life that is an essential rune to equip especially if you're going to play it on ultraviolet violent or hurt or anything above hurt me plenty so now what makes this game so different from the other games in the franchise and from any other game, any other first person shooter that I've ever played is this and this is spoiler free, but I'm just going to take you to later levels in the game. Once you've upgraded your stuff and you have really badass grenades, grenades suck until you upgrade them. They get really fucking unbelievably devastating when you fully upgrade them. And you'll you'll probably need you will probably need to. Although the game accommodates you for whatever type of weapon you like, whatever play style you want to play, you can even use cheat codes in the game if you've unlocked them, um, and it doesn't interfere with the progression of the story, just the same way that I beat Doom 2 back in the day. Very cool. Little homage to uh, its legacy. But here's the thing that makes this game so much different from all from anything else you, you've ever played. Later on in the game, so I've kind of, hopefully at this point I've bewildered you, I've numbed your mind with all of these these offensive and uh, strategic and upgrade, you know, blah 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 uh, capabilities all of these different weapon platforms you have eight different weapons, and you can switch and when you switch weapons, by the way in it opens up a weapon wheel that slows down time faster it's like the second you open the weapon wheel it takes like maybe a second and a half for the slowdown time effect to really take effect. And then you have like, eh, I want to say like upwards of like five seconds, maybe even like eight seconds um, to make your selection from the weapon wheel, which will pull out your thing. If you stay too long in the weapon wheel, that slowdown time effect eventually wears off and then you're just holding the open weapon wheel while everyone kills you. But anyway, those things are considerations that you'll have to make you'll become keenly aware of throughout the first, you know, quarter of the game. Eventually, it doesn't really matter. Here's the thing. Eventually, once you get just under halfway through the game, there are no more item pickups, more or less. There's no more items or armor or health pickups or anything. That's not true, but it's pretty true. Why is this? Because the game wants you to use all of your capabilities to get what you need. Now, what do I mean by this? Each one of these weapon categories, your primary weapon, your grenade, your flamethrower, your glory kills, your blood punch, and your chainsaw. That's six different fucking offensive categories causes the enemies that you kill with them to drop a different type of thing. For instance, if you're running out of normal ammo, use your chainsaw on a lesser demon. It will drop every type of ammo on Earth and refill basically all of your guns. If you are about to die, which you will spend almost the entirety of the game in a state of almost about to die, generally speaking, which is very 
you know, apropos and uh, fitting and in line with and in the spirit of uh, the Doom franchise and its progenitors, if you're about to die, then use your primary weapon to rough up a lesser demon or the demon that you're fighting, a big demon even, until they are, you know, ready to do a glory kill on them. That will give you health. When you hit them with the flamethrower, it makes them drop armor. It sets them on fire. All of these things also damage the enemies. And the grenade eventually just damages the shit out of them. I mean, it's fucking crazy what you can do with the grenade. But the same thing with the flame, the flame belch, the flamethrower. That's how you get armor. So you have to make all of these tactical decisions in real time. What do I need? What am I fighting? How many of them are there? What type of groupings are there? What weapon is the best weapon for this? Um, how much ammo do I have? Do I need to use my chainsaw? Can I use my chainsaw yet? And you can have three, I think, uh, a full chainsaw is two chainsaw saws. And those instantly kill lesser demons. And each one will instantly refill all of your ammo. So the practical implications for this are astonishing. Especially because chainsaw kills and glory kills involve a certain element of teleportation and time stoppage, pseudo time stoppage, um, cause like, like you can be, like, with, with you know, from my, from a distant a greater distance uh, glory kill rune I can get to you if you're 30 meters away, which is three times as far as the normal glory kill I am, in, the second I see you and you're orange, you're, you got the orange aura, meaning please come glory kill me I just click down on the right stick and bam, I'm I'm there I move from 30 meters to 30 meters to 0 meters to you instantaneously as I chainsaw you in half or, you know, I cut you in half with my my, uh, my praetor sword or whatever, or, you know, whatever I take your gun and make you blow your own head off etc, and then I get your health so there is and it's funny because I, I I read before I got the game, this was right like the minute it was released, like you know, like fucking an hour after it was not embargoed anymore for the for the um poser extensions of the game company, major game companies to begin posting their review their embargoed reviews of it or whatever. I, I tried to ever read anything, but I accidentally because I was looking up whether or not it would run on Linux and it doesn't matter someone was complaining that um someone was complaining that all of these elements which are like they're not strategic they're not tactical they they are tactical but they're not um they don't involve a lot of thinking once you get the hang of it how that inviolate how that was like somehow um reduced doom to like a strategy game or something this is not a strategy game and the more i played it the more i thought about it the more it's like patently obvious that if you ever played Doom or Doom 2 and beat the shit out of those games like I did I used to fucking play Doom 2 from 3.45 in the afternoon to 10 o'clock at night for like two years something like that um if you've ever played a real first person shooter like these games it should be like a gestalt. It should be like a complete sense of like gravity, a, 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 a truth in the whole that is self-revealing that all first-person shooters have always been tactical. This game just takes it to the next level. So, what does this add up to? This means that you can use whatever fucking weapon you like and never have to worry about running out of ammunition. That's the bottom line. If you want, you can beat the whole fucking game with sticky pipe bombs and just the normal shotgun. Along with chainsaw flame belch and grenade and uh, um, glory kills. Because every time you chainsaw someone, it refills all of your ammo. That's on Hurt Me Plenty. 
I tried to beat the game originally on Ultraviolet, but it got a little too hard for me. But now that I now that I know what the fuck, oh my god. So what does this add up to in terms of the overall play experience? It is the ultimate doom. In my opinion. You will kill and fight so many things at one fucking time and you will cut through them with such horrendously graphic, gory insanity the likes of which you have never seen in your entire life. To the point where some of my live streams are just like fucking screen screens filled for like, you know, 15 consecutive seconds of like 20 different enemies exploding and being torn apart in close range, like drive my Praetor dagger right through their fucking sides of their heads, and I'm just like and then missiles! It is out of fucking control. It is more doom than doom. And the uh, little touches of homage in terms of the uh, level design, by the way, the the, the level design and the graphics therein, in terms of the geography for the four, first quarter of the game are admittedly uninspiring after you get a third of the way through the game though, like I said, the first quarter are uninspiring, but once you get through a third of the first third of the game they get unbelievable your ability to jump, okay so now let's talk about two, 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 of, the, two of my complaints well, one of my my only complaint is that there is a Prince of Persia platforming aspect to this game. They do it well, and it does allow them to hide a lot of secrets. And there are tons of secrets. There's a lot of replay value here. Um, it is a fan, it's a phenomenal game. It is a phenomenal game. I, I went last night when I was looking at because uh, I, I wanted to you know for purposes of review pur- technical purposes, I wanted to see if it would actually run natively on my Linux box, and, and the performance was terrible. I don't know if I'm missing some tweak or something or maybe a Vulcan library or st- I don't know, but it was terrible. It was unplayable. But I happen to notice on their store page the tags on the Steam store, which I, I haven't been visiting a lot this week because I've been in Stadia, which involves me opening up a web browser on any computer that I like and typing in stadia.com and entering my credentials, and then I'm playing Doom on like a fucking 13-year-old Toshiba laptop. It's amazing! Uh, <laughs> but, uh... The... One of the tags I noticed in the Steam store for Doom Eternal last night was Masterpiece. I don't know if I'm ready to say that it is the best Doom game ever made. But as friend of the show, Casimirez, who I asked uh, on Tuesday night, uh, because I knew that he'd be in it, what he thought without you know, revealing any spoilers, he said I went back and played Doom 2016 after, you know, beating Doom Eternal and it just felt so basic and I can see that now now all of this glory comes at one great cost, because most of the game is now structured around your powers and stuff I have one other thing, I have two other things to say, this and then I want to tell you about the story but just, not even in broad outlines, I just want to tell you my thoughts about the story, but uh there's no multiplayer in Doom Eternal because most of the game revolves around using these tools, techniques, powers, and abilities that either play with time or have a tendency to instantly bilocate your character. Also, they it's very difficult to imagine them not being overpowered to the point of absolute uselessness. Um if you were taking on a human opponent it's a game that's designed to be played against the denizens and enemies of hell now and that's a lot to swallow for me no multiplayer is a lot to swallow but here at the quiet limit of the world at the end of the game knowing that I can't wait to replay it on the next harder difficulty level I mean, I cannot wait. Right now, as of now, I'm saying it's a fair trade. 
but uh, it's it will be a controversial decision for those who have not played the game yet. Until you understand the mechanics, it's difficult to swallow that decision, and especially because it's Bethesda, and I hate Bethesda. But that's a different story. They did a phenomenal job on this game. Final thing, the story of Doom Eternal could have been made a lot better at the beginning by having some form of intro and also could have could have been improved throughout by instead of making you read they don't make you read they just like they're like oh yeah you found this thing new log is added to the thing there's no voice acting in when like you're looking at those logs or anything and so you basically ignore them for the most part i've ignored i'd say 95% of them um, and those really tell you the story. There are cut sequences and cut scenes, and there are characters who have voice, um, who are well voiced, and the di- dialogue is really, really good. But the story seems like it sucks until you get through that first third of the game. And then you start to understand really what the game is about. The game opens itself to you, reveals itself to you like a like a little flower and you truly understand Doom it's a great story it's a really interesting story actually by the end of it it could have been told better and more completely I don't know what the ending is so I'm not going to tell you but I am at the end I stopped playing to bring you this podcast so final verdict Doom Eternal yes my friends and neighbors like almost every game that we ever review on this show it wins our highest honor our worth full price all price any price any day all days any year all years all time worth it award it's 60 bucks for I think that includes like the rip and tear DLC the the deluxe edition is $90 I don't know what it comes with that but I think it has like a year long pass or whatever I don't give a fuck I just spent 60 bucks on it, so blah, I'm not going to spend $90. The whole thing is $90, but just the main game is 60 bucks with like the one major DLC included. It is phenomenal. If you doubt me, check out the uh, some of the vids from our live stream which are included in this week's show blurb. Rip and tear, my friends. Rip and tear. I'll catch you next week. Till then, stay home. You're in America. Stay home, be safe, wear a mask, and uh, take this shit seriously. Uh, my my current w- love interest came down with COVID, um, and I didn't know that she was asthmatic um, three days ago, and uh, she's not doing so well. So, take this shit seriously. It will fucking kill you. So will Doom. Doom is a perfect escape. Till then, auf Wiedersehen. Four or five times. A good idea. Four or five times. Hi there. There is delight in doing things right. Four or five times. It is I, E.B. Farm. Maybe I'll cry. I'll get you a drink. And if I die, I'm going to try four or five times. Do you like to play? We like to play. I like you. We like to sing. It only runs on Linux. We like to go. Yada yada yo. Four or five times. We're gonna have such fun. Bebop one. You're becoming hysterical. Bebop two. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Bebop three. Yada yada yee. Four or five times. Matt Damon. Burn everything incriminating, including this building. Burn all the White House pets, and then yourselves. Burn yourselves first. The countdown will begin this Sunday afternoon at 1, right here on the radio station you grew up with. Music Radio 138. Oh, fuck. What the hell's going on here? Oh, geez, well, isn't it the last hour? We got another hour to do? Geez, I thought we were almost finished. Good golly, Miss Molly. Boy, this is fucking ponderous, man. Ponderous, fucking ponderous. Hi, this is Casey Kasem. American Top 40 has moved to a new time. I hope you'll join me this Saturday morning and every Saturday morning at 2. 2? 
Now, we're up to our long-distance dedication. And this one is about kids and pets and a situation that we can all understand, whether we have kids or pets or neither. It's from a man in Cincinnati, Ohio, and here's what he writes. Dear Casey, this may seem to be a strange dedication request, but I'm quite sincere, and it'll mean a lot if you play it. Recently, there was a death in our family. He was a little dog named Snuggles, but he was most certainly a part of... Let's come start again. From coming out of the record. Play the record, okay? Please. <clears throat> See, when you come out of those up-tempo goddamn numbers, man, it's impossible to make those transitions, and then you got to go into somebody dying. You know, they do this to me all the time. I don't know what the hell they do it for, but goddamn it, if we can't come out of a slow record, I don't understand it. Is Don on the phone? Okay, I want a goddamn concerted effort to come out of a record that isn't a fucking up-tempo record every time I do a goddamn death dedication. Now, make it, and I also want to know what happened to the pictures I was supposed to see this week. This is a god, last goddamn time. I want somebody to use his fucking brain to not come out of a goddamn record that is, uh, that, that's up-tempo, and I gotta talk about a fucking dog dying. <laughs> The best Linux games podcast is brought to you by Blue Wizard is about to die. Now available for the first time as an ebook on Amazon.com. To subscribe to the podcast using a Linux-based podcatcher like Podracer, or to see our YouTube gameplay videos, please visit www.bestlinuxgames.com. Also, join our Steam community group, Best Linux Games, Friends Cookie Sprite, and follow him on Twitter at VegasWriter. BLGP is also brought to you by the Radio Control Room Project. For details, please visit www.rcrproject.com or rfihc.com. Zig thanks you. For great justice.